When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code SPOTIFY to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code SPOTIFY at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code SPOTIFY. I'm just going to start out like that, Todd. My God. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monday Night Therapy. Uh, I'm already starting out with uh, great English skills and enunciation, so it should be a fun show. Uh, Todd is with me, and also joining us is our volleyball writer, Beth Merrigan, who's who played Division One volleyball and coached Division One volleyball, and she knows more about volleyball than Todd and I put together but she's not as full of stuff as we are. So it's like a battle of things. No, it isn't. How are you doing, Beth? It's good to see your smiling face. It's, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's almost volleyball season. Let's talk. <laughs> should, we, should we just start right in with stuff? Or do you want to tell us how your week's been going, Todd? Oh, my week's been going good. Real good. I mean – you got college baseball going on still and it's winding down and LSU's ahead 10 to two. So I'm having a good week. Let's did talk you to want LSU. Huh? Did you, did you want to uh, LSU to win? Yeah, that's who I picked at the beginning. That's why I, I always cheer for LSU baseball. Well, before we start with Beth, we're going to give a shout out or kind of a, a mention of uh, former running back, Husker running back, Darren Diedrich passed away recently at the age of 44 from cancer. And uh, that's way too early to be leaving us. And if you don't remember Darren Diedrich, he rushed for 2001, the last time Nebraska was in a national title game, seems like centuries ago. Uh, he rushed for a career high 1,299 yards and 15 touchdowns, and he was kind of a bruiser. And uh, I guess just mentioning his name, you know, I'm sure that his teammates have missed his passing. Or and 44, man, and cancer. And from that, we're going to jump into Oscar volleyball because that's a much more positive thing. Where do you want to start, Beth? Should we start with Jordan Larson? I think that's the most recent big news, and it, it can make quite a change for the Husker coaching bench. And um, outside hitters have been something that we've been really good at. And, you know, Jordan Larson has um, been one of the best. And so her joining the coaching staff is really going to directly impact those outside hitters. And she's in an interesting situation. She retired from playing, but now she has reopened playing. I don't know what the reverse of that is. And so she's playing again and is um, going to try to play for the national team again in the next Olympics. So, but she's also going to coach. And yeah, how do you do that? That's interesting. You know, if you're in Nebraska's gym, you're certainly playing amongst some really good players. They're not international players of the Olympic caliber yet, but almost every player that plays for Nebraska plays inside of the U.S. training system and has played on the U19 or the U20 team and so they come up to college levels. Um, anyways, so I think she'll play a lot, which will help the players at Nebraska get better and at the same time coach and what a great way to transition to coaching with some of the best head coach in the country. And Jalen Rays is a great coach as well. So I think she'll learn a bunch um, 
from those coaches as well as tricks of the trade that she's practiced so well for so long. Um, so when, I don't when think you're a, when you're a coach like that, do you actually scrim? I'm, I mean, I don't expect John Cook to scrimmage against his players, <laughs> but Jordan Light, I mean, do you think does she actually scrimmage against? Yes. Yeah. She, yeah, she comes to practice. I think Kelly Hunter probably does too. Um, I think they get in there and they are playing and, and filling in a role, especially when there's injuries because scrimmaging and having high level competition in practice is what makes Nebraska good. You know, they, they've got so many good players in the gym. They're constantly playing against some of the best competition in the country, even in their practice squad. So yeah, Jordan Larson will scrimmage um, and play on the court during practices. Um, but it sounds like at first she's going to coach remotely. She won't be in the gym in August. Um, and I think even into September, she won't be there, but she'll um, coach remotely and have film to give the players feedback. Wow. So that's, that's non-traditional. You know, I don't think that's what you try to set up, but something aligned for Coach Cook and for Jordan Larson and you know, I think the transition maybe just had to happen in a different way, right? If you retire from playing, if you think about how long she's played volleyball and to just stop is one of the hardest transitions that probably any person goes through, whether they do it after high school, after college or after the Olympic team, I'm just done. For 20 years, I've had coaches make practices for me. And now tomorrow, no one's going to make a practice schedule for me. No one's going to tell me what weight to lift. No one's going to tell me what drill to do. I'm just going to go run on the treadmill. You know, what does Jordan Larson do the day after she retires? So that transition is hard. This will perhaps be a stepping stone to retirement and into coaching, which by all accounts, she'll be great at it if she's been this great player and has studied the game as well as it looks like she has. You know, the, the next Olympics is in what is 2024. So, mm -hmm. you know, really – um, that's not that, that far. I mean, it's, you know, she's been competitive in the last 12 to 18 months at a very high level last 12 months. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, if we were looking at 2026 for her, you know, that might be a little bit of a reach, uh, for her to be able to, uh, continue playing at the high level that she has been, but, you know, it's just next summer. That's not that far away. She could very easily, you know, get back to the level that she she's familiar with. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that the Olympic coach, Karch Karai, is very happy that she's interested in continuing to play. And while there's tons of talented players in the gym, Jordan Larson is certainly proven and she's got so much experience. She's won every type of medal there is in the Olympics. And the last one was gold and she was the MVP of those Olympics. So you welcome her back and she's got to earn her spot just like the other players do. But I, I think they would sure give her a shot. Well, do you, do you think she's the most impactful player in the world? I mean, is yes. that just a, it's a given? Yes. Yeah. I think she has um, that experience. She's got shots. Um, you know, she's able to just terminate the ball and you just have to do that as an outside hitter. And so, yes, I think she is, um, Linda's asking, is she 43? And I, I think she's in her thirties. I want to say 36, 35. Yeah, I would um, but, um, yes, she is the most impactful player in the world. And I think any club team would be happy to have her and any international team would be happy to have her. And so that includes the U S Brazil. Todd. So we yeah, just that's just it. I, you know, between her and Jordan Burroughs, why, See, why aren't there? Why aren't there Jordan statues? There needs to be the Jordan squared statues out in front of Devaney. It I does. Mean, you, yeah, you literally have the best volleyball player in the world, and arguably over the last six to eight years, the best wrestler in the world. And they're both Nebraska graduates, and they both competed in Devaney. Yeah. Beth, you have you, you pull some strings. <laughs> you have connections. I'll just I'll just make the statue. I'll just set it up. I won't. There you have. go. There you go. <laughs> rope off a space, and there it is. We'll just Carve it out one. of that stone from Western Nebraska, and just you know lug it in here. So. Yeah. Hey, uh, Beth. You know the the team went down to Brazil. Uh, college teams can 
play internationally every once every four years. And uh, John Cook has been pretty consistent taking his teams on the road, you know, for that extra work, you know, team bonding, team build. There's a lot that goes into those trips. Uh, talk about, um, if you would, the, the trip down to Brazil. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some new players that uh, got a lot of – well, you would expect they'd get playing time down there. But it sounds like they're really, really good. Yes, I think that they are. You know, Brazil is well-known for their volleyball um, depth, and it, it's a national sport. You know, people love volleyball in Brazil. And so that's a great choice of places to go. Um, Brazil is consistently competitive internationally, um, but our team did really well. They played club teams down there. Um, I don't quite know their volleyball system. Um, and it looks like the way they did their lineups, they just played different lineups. They tried out different stuff. They would set um, Bergen Riley, the freshman setter, sometimes. Um, they would set um, Kennedy Orr other times. And so um, they were just trying different lineups. And the freshmen definitely made an impact. Um, man, I'm having trouble with names right now. Murray, Harper Murray, um, a freshman outside hitter from Michigan, my home state. Um, we snuck her right out from underneath the University of Michigan, and she lives in Ann Arbor. Anyways, she was phenomenal. You know, she is potentially our most impactful freshman coming in, and um, they they won in Brazil. And like you said, Coach Cook uses this as both team bonding definitely a recruiting tool, right? If you know you're going to a school and in two years you're going to go visit awesome country um, and have that experience, that's a that's definitely a selling point in my opinion. Um, and then what it looks like they did is just, you know, solidified the team chemistry of this year. And so regardless of the number of returning players, um, new freshmen, whoever the faces are, it is by definition, it's a brand new team, right? The team chemistry is different. The dynamics are different. The role plays are different. And so you have to create a whole different team dynamic than last year. What was Maddie Kubik to this team? What was Kenzie Knuckles to this team? And whatever left with them has to be filled. And so you find a way to do that on a trip like this, where it is volleyball all day, your teammates all day. Um, and it looks like they did that. You know, they came back and um, made some major announcements with their team captains, um, Lexi Rodriguez is another cap or is a captain again this year. And then super big news, Merritt Beeson, who's the junior transfer from Florida, is a team captain. So in my world, that is an amazing thing for her to step into a team as a transfer with a good amount of returning players and um, strong role players and be named a team captain. The other players and coaches are seeing something in her that is is big. So I'm super excited to see the level of impact she's going. She was going to have an impact. She's a great player, six four, right side player, played great for Florida. But she's a team captain as a transfer. That's that's leadership. Something they see is strong leadership. Yeah, that's something that kind of surprised me, too. I mean, it's it's not totally unheard of. I mean, you know, there have been probably some other instances. But, um, again, when you have some of the players coming back that Nebraska has, I mean, you have Bait and Horse, you have Krause. Um, you know, those two have been really, really solid players for the team. Um, but, you know, you, you, you hit on it. Leadership is something that, um, some people have more of those kinds of skills than others. And, um, you know, that, that really did surprise me, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Coach Cook talked a little bit about um, her outspokenness of why she chose Nebraska and what she saw in Nebraska's program. And he didn't get into specifics. He wanted her to make that statement. He just talked about how people want to be in Nebraska, you know, specifically for volleyball, for his um, perspective, but that how Merritt is such a spokesperson to a program that is um, doing things that other players want to be a part of and why she chose it. And um, but I'm assuming that motivates her a great deal to be all in on this team that 
she chose. And, you know, Mary Wise is the head coach at University of Florida, Florida, and she is a renowned coach. She is well-respected in the coaching community. And um, so to leave that program surprised me when this announcement first happened. Um, She is known to build teams that are full of culture and um, dedication. I'd want to be on her team. But to leave that program maybe speaks more about what she saw at Nebraska and less of what she was leaving at Florida. Cause I, I have to believe that Mary Wise is still building cultures of excellence and teams that players want to be a part of, but she saw something even more at Nebraska. John Cook alluded to the idea that, you know, Nebraska's whole athletic department is just buying in with facilities, resources, volleyball days, things like that, that are not happening in most places um, for women's sport or for volleyball. So wait, well, what do you think of the whole volleyball day thing? I mean, it's, you know. You see, that's what I was going to say. That, you know, if if you don't think people in Nebraska take volleyball serious, I mean, all you have to do is look at volleyball day in Nebraska or whatever the tag is on it. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. I love that Nebraska loves volleyball. You can go to any, you know, park on a Saturday and there's a pretty quality pickup volleyball match happening there. That's that's great. It didn't always happen for me in my life. Do you do you think that this do you think this is just Nebraska or do you think this helps volleyball as a whole in the, the growth of the sport? I I think it all helps it grow, you know, the visual, the um allowing people to see this awesomeness. The the playing outside part for me gets a little bit hairy. I wonder how oh, that's true. quality the volleyball is going to be. And, you know, a slight wind, which you play beach volleyball. And so that's established. That's a game. Um, indoor volleyball is a, a pretty precise sport. You know, you pass the ball to a spot and you hit the ball with a flip of your wrist. And so it's It'll be interesting to see how good the volleyball is, um, how many practices it takes for those players to feel somewhat comfortable in that situation. So um, that's the only part that I giggle about is outside. I would think the depth perception would just be off the charts. I wonder about that. Yeah. There's no walls. There's no walls, you know, and, and that, yeah, I, I would think that might be the hardest thing that they have to deal with is is just that wide open space that they're in. I mean, I understand they're still playing inside of those lines, but, you know, the visual is got to be different for them. So you, you can hit the ball, you serve the ball really high in the air, so it gets lost in the sky, just like Texas <laughs> lost in the regionals in baseball, which was beautiful. I'd just like to bring that up. Because, uh, you know, screw them. Uh, <laughs> all right. I, I had something. Wait a minute. We, we're we going to take a couple comments here because uh, we haven't taken any comments, really. M. Joel Taguchi says, I'm a big John Cook fan and hope he's got many more seasons, but I'm wondering how volleyball coaches of his tenure are replaced. Do schools set a secession plan or wait and hire the best available? That's a good. That's a good question, M. Joel Taguchi. You know, I think each athletic director's got their own thing, but we have one case study we can follow. Penn State just replaced their forty-year coach in Russ Rose, who won multiple national championships and was, you know, a friend and mentor to John Cook. And um, I. I don't know what their actual process was. They ended up hiring the what had been the assistant coach for um, Russ Rose. Her name's going to escape me. She had been a player for um, Penn State, but they didn't hire her straight away. They did a full process and interviewed, and uh, that was the part that surprised me. It doesn't surprise me that they hired her. Probably the right choice. A lot of the players were recruited and came to play with or for her. Um, I would assume something like that happens with Coach Cook. He's able to communicate preferences and um, the people he's mentored through the years. He's spoken openly about how his assistant coaches, he wants to have 
um, coach somewhere else and then come back to him, you know? So again, that's a different case for Jordan Larson. She hasn't coached. Well, she coached for a short time last season, not very long. I think they kind of called her helping out at the, well, I'm going to mess that up wherever she hired on for a short time Midland. last year. Thank you, Midland. Yeah. Anyways, but I, I think the person who replaces John Cook, which I don't think he's showing any indication that he's moving on, is um, probably a former assistant coach, maybe a former player, maybe not, and that he or she has gone and head coached somewhere else. Danny Bellspoon Kelly comes to mind. Um, she's done excellent at Louisville. She did excellent when she was an assistant coach at Nebraska. So I think that person is head coached somewhere else. Um I mean, where does working knowledge of them from being one of his assistants? Where does Tyler Hildebrand fit in all this? Isn't that the guy that's been around for well? A long he just time left a, last season. He's the head coach at Long Beach State right now. Okay, you're thinking of Jalen Reyes, maybe. So okay. they were similar kind of builds, slight guys with brown hair. Um, <laughs> I, I think both of them worked with him for so long, but um, Hildebrand was a player at Long Beach, so. I don't know. People seem to want to go back home. So maybe that's his home. I don't know. Um, but he seemed like he had the endorsement of Coach Cook. So I don't know. I haven't given this one a, a bunch of deep thoughts. I don't think Coach Cook is in retirement mode. He's seems to be still innovating and creating and mentoring you, other coaches. You can't retire where Wisconsin is. And that's the biggest question. Are these girls going to beat Wisconsin this year? Are they going to crush them, make just weep? I want to see them weep. <laughs> I, I don't think there's going to be weeping. Wisconsin's still going to be the team to beat in the Big Ten. Nebraska or Wisconsin, right, if I'm, a, I'm talking from a Nebraska perspective. So um, I think Wisconsin or Nebraska will be the number one preseason. But um, Wisconsin reloaded, you know, they um, – Northwestern had a fifth-year senior, Temi Thomas-Alero. She should strike fear in every opposing team's heart. She's a 6'3 outside hitter that just crushes the ball. And she had nobody on her team that was a supporting cast member on the hitter's side. And she still destroyed teams. So then you add um, the couple other outside hitters and Anna Schmack. Anyways, Wisconsin's still really good, John. You should not um, put your tissues away yet. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we've done a really good job of football not being homers and being realistic about things. And I kind of just, oh, what the hell? I guess, you know, that is one thing about volleyball in a lot of ways is I don't think you get the 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 just, I don't want to say bloodiness, but you know the anger about the sport. Like 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 when I mentioned Texas or Iowa, they, the heart rate starts going up. They just you know what I mean. I don't see that in volleyball as much. Oh, I think it happens with Texas volleyball. My oh, heart rate goes true. up. And I think the same with Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a pretty strong, uh, my heart races. I, I want them to, I mean, I want good volleyball. I'm going to be honest. I always just want good volleyball. But man, when, you know, we've lost some really hard ones to Wisconsin. And so I feel those. My heart races. My my face gets red. I I I want us to beat Wisconsin. They are you know, they are doing things that Nebraska is doing. They're filling stadiums. They're recruiting the best players. They're attracting the best transfer portals. They're competing with us in all the ways. And then we step onto the court and they've beaten us a lot lately. Not many teams do, though. Let's go back to the positive things that are happening here. We've beaten a lot of other teams. So maybe we need to move on from Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's just kind of it, though. I mean, volleyball has reached a, a, a level at which – where'd we get last season? Where'd we finish? Hmm. Made the top eight, I think. I think right. so. Right. Last year was a disappointment, don't you think? I mean, I'm put having, it this way. The volleyball, team is, the volleyball team is so good that if we don't make the final four, it's kind of like, well, screw this season. 
which is pretty amazing to think about. I mean, that's the expectation every bloody year. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it, it doesn't seem unrealistic, but yeah, from an outside perspective, yeah, that is, it is amazing to make it that far every year. Got knocked right. out by Texas. Yes, year. they did. Mm-hmm. They did, bought themselves a national title. Hmm. Maybe we should steer away from this topic too. <laughs> what the nil thing? No, I the Texas thing. But no, it's you're right. Te- they had they had two of the players from Nebraska. They'll only have one. Yeah. Um Caffey's done, but Kaylee Akana will still be with Texas. Yeah. And they'll be good again this year too. They lost um, you know, the player of the year, um, Logan Eggleston, but Texas. Yeah, well, been- you know what? They, they, she looks crappy in that color. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> all right, what I guess for me, let's see. Do we have any more uh, volleyball questions? Because we're gonna we're gonna move probably to football and recruiting and all this stuff real soon. Jordan Larson, I mean, there's no guarantee that good players are good coaches. What do you see actually in Jordan Larson that makes you think she's gonna be? A good coach. All the time we do this. You know, you can go out on social media. When Jordan Larson came back, it's like, oh, she's going to be the next coach. Oh, well, okay. Forget Nanny Busboom Kelly, who's already been extremely successful. But what do you see in Jordan Larson? Why do you think she'd be a good coach? Well, the way she talks, she did an interview right after she took the job and just talking about learning and um, adjusting and um, teaching the game, right? I mean, to go from being part of the action and being impactful in the middle of a match to uh, making modifications and tweaks and communicating those with players, um, that's a huge adjustment. You, you can no longer terminate the ball. You can't dig the ball. You, you can't directly impact the match anymore. And so hearing her talk about it in that way um, leads me to believe she can be a really great coach. Of course, you have to accept that change. I mean, I still find myself trying to run out onto my kid's softball field and play the game or not really, but I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to go impact the game directly rather than supporting and, you know, Small coach. You could be a you could be a coach there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do. I, I coach constantly. <laughs> do you coach a team? I just coach the younger girls in in Scotts Bluff. Okay, more comments. Uh, MK says better college coaching tree: John Cook, Nick Saban, Bill Snyder, Hayden Fry, or someone else. Of course, not Hayden Fry. I think that, honestly, let's keep that up there. The honest to God truth, MK, is if you're going to say that's a coaching tree, you got to start with Terry Pettit. Right? Am I wrong about that? John Cook is a protege of Terry Pettit. Yeah, Terry Pettit. Let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. I mean, when you look at the state of Nebraska, how in the hell did some state with only like 1.81 million people become – so incredibly good at producing volleyball players for such a small population. It had to be Terry Pettit's influence a long time ago, right? Yeah, having a vision and um, being able to gather people around him that would share that vision, work towards that mission. Yeah, I I think you got to go one back. But um, yeah, the direct influence of then John Cook after Terry Pettit brought him here from Wisconsin, ironically, I guess. Um, right is um, is super impactful. I think Hayden, Hayden Fry actually had a damn good coaching streak. Yeah, was he Bill Stoops? Yeah, he had a lot of – Bill Snyder. Eh, not, I don't know Bill Snyder as much. Nick Saban, just because everybody wants to go coach for, with Saban so they can say, I'm a Saban guy. And then, you know, well, Kirby Smart. There's gobs of those. That's an interesting comparison. Is that is that fireworks? Wow. We don't have any of that here yet. <laughs> All right. What else do we got up here? But I'm taking this one from Wade Farr, which is weird. Go ahead and read it. Did you say hi to the Central City volleyball coach from the 80s? Hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know. Do we have a name? She also coached girls track. And I did not say that as far uh, as I know. Alongside her husband, Coach Bumps, who tracked, who coached track in C cross country. We didn't Beth, have did you go country. to the game in Central City? Did you drive? I did that? not. No, no. So I guess that maybe that was that where there was a going. Is was I there and did I? No, I did not go. Uh, I don't know if there's a. Let's take two. two. Linda Wilkins, who is a regular, says, so I am guessing that Jordy Ball leaving Oklahoma was also a surprise. Well, yeah. I, no doubt. Well, maybe no. not. Well, oh, I mean, I we've would, talked about that. We have talked about it, but I, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I, I really don't. Um, you know, and here's something I find kind of interesting. Mention Jordy Ball. I mean, you know, there have been some sports writers that are convinced that she's going to have an impact on Nebraska athletics beyond softball. And, you know, I don't know what that impact is going to be. Um, you know, softball is a decent sport in the state of Nebraska, but um, I don't know. Jordan Larson, Jordy Ball. Um, uh, I think Jordy Ball's got a long ways to go before she can – start having some of that kind of impact. And maybe that's not the point of the question. Either. Maybe she, maybe she strikes some people out and does this. She just does this waving the hand in front of the face thing. And bam, it's well, all over the place. And then she's in a fight with somebody with Michigan or something. Okay. Now you've brought that up. What I'm wondering is what is going on with true blue Nebraskans that those life side cardboard cutouts of Caitlin Clark or whatever the Clayton, yeah, they're they're in the high V stores in Kearney and North Platte and all over the state of Nebraska. What the hell is that? I mean, those should be destroyed. Destroyed, I you know. Destroyed. Destroyed, destroyed I say. Destroyed, I say. Destroyed. <laughs> Well, Todd, you drive all over the state of Nebraska. Start collecting the damn thing. I think someone should. I mean, you know, yeah. It just bothers me to see that Iowa Hawkeye crap in Nebraska. <laughs> There's your influence. There's your influence, Todd. Roger Moore says, so nice to see tonight's host not wearing Georgia merch. This is a reference to a show, what, two weeks ago? A week ago? Time is all compressed for me. In which Roger was happy you weren't here, Todd. I know. Right up until right up until Andy showed that he had a Georgia shirt on, and then it all went to hell. Uh, and, and so, so did I ever get props from Roger again because I didn't wear Georgia merch? He well, he said that he said that uh, it, Todd at least doesn't wear Georgia stuff. I guess or you get by Todd back on here. He doesn't have that Georgia crap on. All right. Do we have anything else for volleyball? Well, I just, I think a big topic of conversation last year was the setting position. And I, I don't think that is over. I don't think, I think Kennedy Orr is the um, starting setter to begin with, but um, Bergen Riley is the freshman coming in and will probably compete for that all year long. And coach Cook had a really short, span of time he would let Kennedy Orr be out there and make mistakes last year but of course he had a senior proven setter and would just pull Kennedy Orr and so anyways I think the setting position is decided but not completely you know I think that can still be up in the air and while that's frustrating because that is such a pivotal position on the volleyball court it's um something that she's just she's got to own it and she's got to be the starting setter and not make location errors. Um, so I think that's a frustrating to be continued this season uh, storyline for us to watch. Um, and I think the other storyline that I'm aware of is we have three middle blockers on our roster. Um, I'd like to see at least one more for depth. And then we don't have a ton of experience out on the court still. So um the middle position might be frustrating in the early season for us to watch and um, not see it as polished as we once saw with Lawrence Diverins or, you know, stories of, of year of other years. Well, they usually work these things out. Is it, is it safe to say that Kennedy or loads of talent, loads of potential, but just 
hasn't got over the top or the consistency or, or, or what is it? My best guess from, you know, watching her and um, kind of understanding that position is that she is so athletic and so capable to have played at that position at a pretty high level. But until she came to Nebraska, I'm guessing that her techniques and her um, specific discipline for feet to the ball or hips to the target was lacking, that she was able to just athletically and physically strength wise um, perform at a great level. But now it's one notch more and, you know, six inches on the ball for an outside hitter is the difference between the ball in front of your shoulder and the ball over your shoulder. And that's also the difference in the kill. So I'm guessing that it's, it's been something that she's been able to do at the competitive, but not as competitive Nebraska plays and get by and be good. Very good. Um, And I think also um, she had, she had a significant injury in her knee and returning from that probably changed a lot of things for her balance wise and physically. And that, probably between those two things has been um, why she's been inconsistent and maybe not been as confident as she had been in her younger years. And when she got recruited by all these colleges, she never quite got back to that form um, of once what she was. And then she can't get back to or get to that next level of what a division one at a top level program needs to be. Wade, Wade Farr has a good point here. USC and UCLA in volleyball in the Big Ten in another year, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you think the impact of that will be? Are these two – these are two top-notch volleyball schools. Yeah, yeah. They um, are historically some of the best ones in the country. And then in more recent years, they've been really pretty good Um good in the Pac-12 and um, sometimes very competitive in the NCAA tournament. So yeah, just lots more good volleyball, um, long road trips, of course, too, but Nebraska's kind of in the middle of the Big Ten once you add those two California schools. So um, yeah, just lots more good volleyball. Um, I think um, Viewers-wise, you know, California has some great club programs, some great training programs. So we don't often get a recruit from California. So perhaps this opens up the door wider for um, California high school kids to see other programs. They all have so many good programs in California that why would you leave? But um I, th- I think it, it's a positive thing. I'm all for more good volleyball playing each other. And um, those are two really good programs. I think if you were to order them in the Big Ten right now, they would fall below Wisconsin and Nebraska. Um, and then depending on the year, they may be along a Purdue. Um, Will they be better than Iowa? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Why? Because Iowa sucks. Ah. Yeah, yeah. If you think, yeah, the Big Ten volleyball, Iowa, Maryland, Rutgers, um, Indiana are programs that are still trying to find their footing and their recruits. And um, they would be above all those four programs in my book. You were so diplomatic. <laughs> you were so well, diplomatic. Volleyball is definitely a sport where where the conference will be better because USC and UCLA are coming in. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's a few you know, not all the sports are going to experience that, but volleyball definitely will. Mm-hmm. So. All right. We're going to, we're going to get the football. Do you want to stick around Beth for football or do you want to No, that's, you know what you, uh, you will be back with us. Okay. That sounded like Maybe, a threat. It, well, it's it. I, I wanted it to not sound like a command. <laughs> I think if you ask the commenters, you want Beth back. I'm guessing that a lot of them see there, right there, Cornhusker Corner, Beth for ambassador to the UN. That is a solid endorsement. You need to come back and, uh, you know, give us volleyball stuff when it, but before volleyball day. Are you going to volleyball day? I don't think so. You she lives think- in Flippin' Scott's Bluff, John. That's halfway across the United States. People are flying in from Japan, Tom. I don't think it's going to be good volleyball. And I am a volleyball snob. So uh, 
I don't think it's going to be. I, I hope it's really good volleyball. See, don't be negative, Beth. I hope it's really good volleyball. I question the ability to see the game very well. I want to see footwork and I want to see cut shots. I want to see wrists turn. And I don't think I'm going to see that from the end zone, but they sell beer. <laughs> didn't move my needle. That's where they're going to move this in. See, they're going to go, well, we're selling beer for the volleyball event. We might as well just open it up. It's like a trial run for everything. Uh, Linda Wilkins, our regular says, uh, thanks, Beth. Really enjoyed your input. Uh, living in Omaha, David Manny says, bring back Beth. She hasn't even left yet, man. Uh, uh, Wade Farr, the cranky buns, comes in here. Don't put her on again. I'm guessing Wade just wants football, football, football. Uh, Roger Moore, who's hard to please. Beth rocks. <laughs> You're getting voted down here, Wade. Okay. All right, Beth, we're going to let you go. We're going to move on to, to football. Thank you for joining us. Thank Take you, care of yourself, and good luck with your softball. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Hold on. I got something. I got to, I got a whole Did you see this, Todd? Did I see what? This yeah. did, did you see this somebody in the state of Nebraska is selling uh this this firework frost warning. And uh David Matney asked how many frost alert t-shirts are now at Goodwill? And I think we have the answer hidden right here in this pricing on this firework. There are 1631 t-shirts at Goodwill. Do you know what six the, the do you know what that stands for that that dollar amount? I have no clue. What was Scott Frost's record at Nebraska? Oh really? Okay. Now we're fully into football. <laughs> I have to well, figure out how to how to remove this. I just want to tell Roger I did not wear my frost warning t-shirt today. <laughs> I I wore my anti-Texas t-shirt again. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> okay, we have a lot of football. There's a lot of football stuff going on. Got it. You know, I was so excited whenever whatever day it was, Friday, Friday when Nebraska picked up those two wide receiver recruits from Bellevue West, because we finally got some players with some stars. I wanted stars, stars, stars. We got all these guys that are show up for a football camp and look good someday. Oh, he looks good. Let's offer him a scholarship and then trust us on our evaluation. <laughs> and the thing about that is, is I'm on, I'm on board with it. That's fine. But but really, I mean, <laughs> you got to sprinkle some stars in there. You got to sprinkle some stars in there. Yeah. Yeah. So Devon Hall and Isaiah McMorris, both from Bellevue West, who, who are a now a triplet with Danny Kalen coming in from Bellevue yeah. West in 2024. I listened to an interview with Danny Kalen today from uh, the college world series. He was at the baseball plaza thing or whatever it is talking to the guys from 1620 you know for a 17 year old kid he's pretty mature and uh handled himself quite well well spoken um you know didn't uh, just fill it all up with cliches and all that kind of stuff i think he's a pretty bright kid which um you know hopefully his uh skills improve continue to improve this year uh, might be worth might be worth somebody's time to go watch bellevue west play a football game this year to see all these Future Cornhuskers. Okay. Uh, let's see. What else we get? We got uh, we got Kawan Lacey, which somebody mentions. I'm trying to yeah. keep up with. I'm trying to look at the comments at the same time. And let's see. MK, MK says, we picked up the commitment of a blazing fast running back from Texas today, Kawan Lacey. Matt Rule had tweeted something provocative. Any ideas if it was related no, nobody knows what that tweet was about. Matt, I should have copied it and put it in no, here. Danny Kalen said that expect another announcement within the next 24 hours. For oh, my time. God. So maybe that, maybe that's what it is. Well, Matt Rule had tweeted, oh, my God, they really messed up. And nobody knew what it was about. And it didn't make any sense. And I don't know. 
Cornhusker Corner comes in with, let's talk some football. If Nelson commits, I think it'll move us up to a top 15 class. He's referring, of course, to four-star tight end Carter Nelson from Ainsworth, Nebraska, who is the second best tight end in the nation or projected as the second best tight end in the nation. Um, here's what I'd say about the the top 15 class. I think with with Matt Rule picking up some of these development guys that we – is is it going to matter whether we finish in the rankings? Because if you're getting guys that don't have stars when you start out, I mean, doesn't that bop you down in the rankings? And yeah, I think it does. We, this bit. is where we have to have faith in the coaching staff. Yeah, I don't know how they come up with those rankings. The last, you know, the last I heard, I thought Nebraska was someplace in the 30s or something like that. But the reality is, is if they get Carter Nelson that's a pretty good coup in terms of the in-state recruits. You know, the, the, the tight end from prep, he's going to go play at Iowa. Got a kid from Elkhorn, I think, that's going to go play at Notre Dame. Um, but other than that, they've pretty much, you know, pulled the guys in from this particular class uh, from the state of Nebraska. I think another name that's sitting out there uh, from Nebraska is the, the Benning kid from Westside, uh, Damon Benning's son. And, you know, I haven't heard much about, you know, what he's leaning or where he's leaning. Um, but, you know, if, if they can get Carter Nelson to commit, uh, I think they're going to have to feel pretty good about uh, how they've handled this particular class from Nebraska. They've gotten some walk-on kids, too. They got this kicker. What is his name? Nico. Oh, yeah. He's Nico. a beautiful name. And I, I'm getting Nico Adamanelli. Nico Adamanelli. That is the number one punter in New Jersey. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, and they got a fullback um, from cross country uh, high school in, I think that's by Stromsburg. Uh, they got that kid coming in as a walk-on. Um, they've got another kid from Colorado that, uh, that a big lineman, offensive lineman. So, um, you know, it's it, right now. I think someone said they got 15 commits. You know, that might be right. I've lost track. Um, they got, they got de defensive back Rex Guthrie today. Rex Guthrie. Yeah. He is the first Rex to come to Nebraska since Burkhead. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you got maybe there's some of that will rub off. He is the 19th, the 19th overall member of the Huskers 2024 recruiting class. 19th. Okay. 19th. Now, the yeah. thing is about this that's bothering me, I went back and looked. We do have some offensive linemen. We picked up like two or three of them. Uh, we have what that kid – who's that kid from Logan, Iowa, is it? He's a well, that's this Grant Bricks from Logan. Yeah. And he's kind of sitting out there right now um, trying to, to figure out where he's going to go. Um got a good friend that lives in Logan and um, you know, the, the word is, is that this kid has been a Nebraska fan, you know, growing up and, you know, is that going to play anything in, into making a decision to come this direction? I don't know. Logan is not that far away, folks. It's about 30 miles West of the river. Uh, you take the Missouri, take the Missouri Valley exit North of Omaha and hang a right. And you'll go into Logan. So he's not that far away. Brian Hula says Nelson, Carter Nelson is announcing on Wednesday. So yep. uh, yeah. I did see that. Uh, Todd, guess how many, how many seniors do you think Nebraska has on their rosters at the offensive and defensive lineman positions? Four. Can you name them? Am I right? No. <laughs> I did this just so you'd be wrong. You know how many there are? I have no idea. There are zero. Zero seniors? Zero yeah. seniors on the yeah. offensive and defensive lines. In fact, out of this whole class, out of the uh, out of the 85 or whatever it is total, we only have seniors at the, let's see, cornerbacks, a linebacker, and Luke Reimer. Uh, Anthony Grant will be a senior. Marcus Washington, Josh Feeks, Flakes, and Billy Camp, all receivers, those will be seniors. But 
not very many uh, seniors on this team. So kind of when, you know, when I look at the recruiting, I go, why are we getting 30 linemen, 15 offensive and 15 defensive? We don't even need these other guys. I think they do need some. I mean, we were at the spring game. They need some more offensive linemen. Yeah, they do. I understand they got some kids coming in, you know, um, but they're kids. And, you know, I, I don't, okay, I am old. I am crotchety. But back in the day, offensive linemen didn't get on the field until they'd redshirted a year. And, and, and then when they were juniors, you know, maybe, maybe when they were juniors. Brian Hula says 17th rated class now. So, you know, if Carter Nelson joins, it would go up into the top 15, which I, uh, you know, for a team that's been really pretty poopy, that's pretty impressive, actually. Uh, KC comes in and says, Rule very impressing on re- very impressive on recruiting. Haven't been this excited for a while. I I agree. I still the one thing I I just mentioned this. We're still looking at the 2023 season and the 2024 guys are still a year away. away. Oh boy, yeah. I, you know, you've got now my head spinning a little bit here. I am not a Kool-Aid drinker. I will not be a Kool-Aid drinker. And when you make mention of the fact that we don't have a senior on the offensive or defensive line, even in the best of situations, that's concerning. And, you know, this is a team that's going to be in transition. So uh, I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to stay positive. I'll stay. Well, what is positive? Well, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. Some people are saying, well, you know, six wins. How can that be a positive six wins? Because then they qualify for a bowl and they can still have a losing season. I don't give a shit. Win more games than they won last year and play tough, hard-nosed football. That's what I'm looking for. And I've said that from the get-go. Well, I'm I'm still on the six and six bowl game thing. Until August. <laughs> then I'll start drinking the Kool-Aid. Then I'll be... 14 and one or some damn thing. Okay. What else we got? Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. We haven't drafted any defensive linemen. What's the score of the college world series? It is now 11 to three, 11 to three. What inning? Uh, I think it is the seventh inning. Uh, they're showing a highlight right now. So, so barring some explosion, this should be LSU's title. It should be. I hope so. Oh, now here's Dylan Cruz doing this. He's on second base, just hit a double, and he's he's doing the old uh, uh, Bayou Steve. Barbie, <laughs> Bayou Barbie thing. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is. It's become it's sweet. The eighth Wait a minute. Uh, one of the guys says, Nuradin, uh Jose Farfan says this is New Illy's New Illy's last year. Nuradin New Illy. Uh he is listed. Come on, where is he? He's listed as a junior. Yeah, I wouldn't the chart I'm looking at. So I don't know if it is. Norton New Willie is the guard that we missed last year because he was out for a season because of a NCAA violation. Uh, James Marshall comes in and says, this season will be live or die at offensive left tackle. Uh, yeah, it will be nice. You know, it'll be, it'll be nice to see uh, if, if our tackles can actually play tackle. Uh, Jose comes back and says he lost a year because of roids in the COVID year. Then, well, that's a good point. Oh, I don't know what else we got about football. Well, you know, I think that we're entering into that dead period, and you know, uh, I really hope that the coaching staff does take some time and uh, gets a, they, they all get a little bit of rest and relaxation, get away from this a little bit. Um, I think one of the, to me, one of the most noticeable differences, and I'm not going to run down the entire Scott Frost regime because there were some dedicated coaches on that staff. There were some hardworking coaches on that staff. Um you know, especially, you know, the defensive backs coach, he busted his ass 
And, uh, you know, there were some other guys that did as well. But um, this, this coaching staff, you know, hit the ground full speed ahead, and they haven't eased up since. And in the meantime, you got Matt Rule, who has laid a foundation and built an infrastructure for a program that is a real Division I college football program. You know, everything is in place. Everything is in place. Now it's time, you know, to get the players uh, out on the field, you know, once uh, fall camp rolls around and away we go. And hopefully, hopefully he's got the personnel there that they're going to win some football games. I, I have never seen a coaching staff that punched all the right buttons like this staff has so far this year. Uh, you know, the, the coaches in Bellevue, the coaches in Omaha, the coaches in small town Nebraska feel like they are, they are valued and they feel like um, they're important, you know, for Nebraska football. And we haven't had that for a long, long time. I mean, this goes – well before Scott Frost. Right. Um, Mike Riley didn't do it. Bo Pelini didn't do it. Bill Callahan sure as hell didn't do it. So I guess I'm right. kind of excited about that. Roger Moore pays you a compliment in saying that, Todd, you, very good insight and summary of new staff. And I will say this, too, about Roger. Roger was the second best James Bond. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, he, 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 I cannot put him above Connery. I can't. But Roger, you're number two, buddy. Number two with a bullet. <laughs> did you, did you see the comment that the Bellevue West coach made? Yeah. Yeah. The Bellevue West coach said, Praises Nebraska's staff recruiting approach and says, it just seems like there are adults in charge. And then he, he kind of said, this really isn't a shot at the last staff. And you're kind of like, well, you don't even have to say that. I mean, come on, let's be serious. Uh, James Marshall comes in and says, I'm still, what? Right, click. I'm sorry. Wrong go way. ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait. You go ahead. James Marshall comes in and says, I'm still concerned about the O-line. Well, he should be. I mean, we're going to go up against Minnesota, a team that has beat us up in the past few years. And we're going to have this pretty much the same offensive lineman and the same offensive line coach. So, you know, that's a valid concern. Yeah. I don't I, think I you can too. just put that away. You can't just throw it out the window. Out the I just window hope I just hope they stay the healthy for a little while. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd like to see Prochaska, you know, play a season and and you know, some of those other guys just but you know, I mean it's it is a grind them up, spit them out position, that's for sure. Um, you know, Wade Farr said I asked early, why not all teams don't have names on jerseys, especially name, image, and likeness? Uh, Wade, you know, the vast majority of them do. I personally hate it. Um, you know, you play for the name on the front. I don't care what the hell the name is on the back. That's what they put numbers on the jerseys for. Um, you know, you can look at your program and figure out who number 10 is or number 88 or whoever that is. Um, I hope that there are football coaches and basketball coaches that still toe the line and, um, and don't let this NIL thing take away from the importance of being part of a team and, and sacrificing for the team. You, you know, I mean, you're really, you're really proper when you don't start out with the whole gin and tonics thing ahead of time. <laughs> Note to self, slow down on the gin and tonic. I don't know. This is a wait. 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 Wade and put this comment in before the show started. You can do that since we do now schedule it. And by the way, we're just going to do this on YouTube Live because the community can show up. Everybody's chats can show up on YouTube Live, and you don't have to be spread across social media platforms. And uh, and honestly, from our side, on a technical standpoint, we don't. I don't have to worry about making sure the connections work because sometimes. Facebook break stuff and Twitch and, you know, whatever. Okay, go ahead. Are you uh, going to read that or do you want me to? Well, you can you can read it. I'll answer it. How's that? <clears throat> That's good. 
Wade Farr asked before the show started, why in college baseball don't we see the 22nd pitch clock? And why doesn't the umpire have that rectangle ball or strike zone like they have in the probes? Umpire's not as good. You know, that's interesting you ask that, Wade, because I was watching a game with my son on TV the other day, and he asked the same question about, you know, the rectangle for the strike zone, because, you know, you see that in all the major league games, you don't see it uh, in the college games. I would venture to say that that's probably um, uh, a reason why, you know, uh, that the NCAA has made that call to keep heat off of the umpires a little bit, you know, with the college world series, they have all of the camera angles. They have all the technology that they do in a major league park. They don't have that in the vast majority of your, your division one college baseball stadiums. So for them to utilize something like that during the regular season, I think that might be a little bit difficult to stay consistent, you know, having that image of the strike zone. Um, And I got to confess, I didn't know you could see the 20 second pitch clock at major league games. I guess I'm going to have to pay a little bit closer attention to that. Uh, It's great at, at the Chuck. I mean, in, in the college world series, They've got a clock behind the home plate and they've got a clock out, you know, in, in right center field. So you can see that all the time. Um, I, yeah. Good questions. I, I think it's uh, I just think that it's maybe the NCAA protecting their umpires a little bit. You know, what? we missed a comment that we should have a moment of silence because Fred Sacco isn't here. And uh, I thought about that for a moment and I thought uh, a moment of silence wouldn't fit Fred not being here. A moment of really dirty jokes that would probably fit. Yeah, not being here. Yeah, I would say I would say uh, a moment of dirty jokes. Um, yeah. SK Connect fan says the O line needs to prove their worth against Minnesota. They It'd do. be nice to start out that uh, start out the season seeing an offensive line that can, you know, just successfully run the ball. You know, four, three, four yards a carry. I don't know, just successfully run the ball and. What's the word? I'm consistent. That's it. And yeah. an offensive line against Minnesota. I, if I was the defensive coordinator for Minnesota, I think the first play I'm calling on, uh, if I'm on defense is uh, I'm running some kind of stunt at the line or a twist. And I'm going to say, did he really coach these players how to block against <laughs> very simple tactics? <laughs> you know, Tony Walshen says pitch clock is the best games took way too long. Absolutely. It's the best thing that's happened in baseball in years. I heard him talking on the radio today that that 11 inning game the other night, uh, the 11 inning game was shorter than the average length of all of the games last year in the college world series, nine inning games. So yeah, it's made a difference. Uh, let's see. We're, we're going to finish up here soon. James Marshall comes back with my second biggest concern is linebacker depth. That group will be up against it. I I think, keep in mind that some of these guys that are playing defensive backs are going to switch in as linebackers as well. I think we brought in some good linebackers though. I think the kid they brought in from Georgia is going to be a decent linebacker. I think that the kid they brought in from Florida is going to be a decent linebacker. So what about about Eric? What about Eric Fields, that guy that uh, hits like a freight train? We'll see, you know, hopefully. We only have one senior. I mentioned that before, Luke Reimer at uh, linebacker. Yeah, And we have a bunch of guys whose names we really haven't heard. Seth Malcolm, Ralph, Ralph Randolph Kapai. Kapai, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Kapai. I think that's how you say it. He's from South Ma- Dakota. Jamari Butler, Chief Borders is the transfer. Kane Williams, McKay, Mackay, Gabor. I'll just give up now. I'll just give up. (laughs) It's just like volleyball. I got to learn all these new names and how to pronounce them properly, or at least come close. Hey, one name, one name, one new volleyball name that we should have no problem with is that Jura Vicious girl, because we all remember her daddy. From Florida? No, Penn State. Joe Juravicious was a wide receiver for Penn State. Oh, that's right. Really? Yeah. Ugh. Man. All right. We're past our hour. Are we done, Todd? Is there anything else on our I'm list? I'm pretty done. Done? <laughs> done. I've been done. I'm fried. 
Are you? Yeah. John, are you going <sighs> to make your son take you to the game in Minnesota? I, I, you know, my kids are like me, Todd. You can't yeah. make them do anything. I know that. I know. Well, Tony was wondering. So, Tony, Tony really? Yeah, Tony Washland. Oh, okay, John. Tony, I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name, Walashin. Yeah. Uh, I think that I'm just going to go to the game because what what I'm trying to do for the Minnesota game is set up a tailgate spot for with uh, some Minnesota people that I know. It's actually a customer of mine who said. Yes, we probably can have a a tailgate meeting place at his tailgate that they do. And then he can abuse me in front of everybody because he does abuse me a lot. And, you know, maybe maybe we'll win. And uh, I can abuse that son of a bitch for once. How about that? Okay. Good night, Todd. Good night, John. Oh.